Welcome to the NBA Coast to Coast podcast brought to you by thelines.com. Coming to you from the West Coast, Josh Lander, joined as always by Nate Weitzer on the East Coast. And we've only got four games here for you guys on a Thursday night in the NBA. Things definitely slowing down as March Madness is also back in full swing today. But we do have a couple game videos up for you and our player props to choose from. So make sure to like and subscribe to that page. Also follow along uh, on thelines.com. That's where we have all the great written content for you guys as well. You can check out everything we're putting up there. And use that odds finder tool that we have for you guys. Nate and I use that every morning. Make sure we're getting the best odds available to us from all these sports books, giving us bets in the NBA this season. Nate, let's go ahead and jump through the little four game slate we have here and then run through a rematch of this Nets and Cavs game. Yeah, two of the four games are immediate rematches after one night off in the same location. So we'll try not to get too bogged down in what just happened and and correctly predict what will happen next. Like we yeah. just nailed with the Sixers game last night. Yeah. Uh, but first we got the Knicks on a back to back minus three and a half at Orlando. Then, yes, the Cavs minus four at Brooklyn. They were just minus three at Brooklyn, one by six. The Hornets are truly tanking. They're plus nine at the Pelicans, who probably don't care much for wins either right now. And then the Thunder are plus four at the Clips. Uh, we'll break that game down for you. Paul George out and definitely Norman Powell still out. Totals at 232 after the, they, those two totaled 201 in the, ma- in the matchup two nights ago. Uh, but yeah, looking at this Cavs Nets game, first total is two nineteen and a half. It totaled um, two twenty four two nights ago, and honestly, I see nothing but a bit more offense happening here tonight. I mean, we were targeting the Nets because they couldn't score at all uh, going into this last matchup, but uh, and, and they sure enough they continued their ice cold shooting nine for thirty three from three. Mikel Bridges zero for eight from three. We talked about him scoring. You know, still around 25 per game, but during this stretch here, his offensive rating has plummeted. Nick Claxton being uh, unable to score against Cleveland. He was awful on Tuesday, negative 33. Dayron Sharp actually came in and took his minutes uh, and was a plus 27 in 20 minutes. And, And the Nets actually dominated the boards by 15, got 19 offensive rebounds and 19 second chance points. I don't know how much you read into that. I mean, what I see is the Cavs just not playing the same type of defense on the road as they do at home, not having the same type of dominance in the paint or on the boards. Um, I still trust them to win this game one way or another. I do worry it'll be a little bit closer. I think maybe what I want to do is target the props here for Mikel Bridges and Spencer Dinwiddie to one or both of them bounce back from kind of a rough game. I mean, Dinwiddie... Still hit his props with 19 and 11 in this loss here. Bridges, I don't think, is going to go 0 for 8 from 3 again. I think we'll see some positive regression. But with him scoring so much, <clears throat> his defense isn't going to be there to, to shut down Donnie Mitchell. And you saw that. You know, we looked at his last four against Mikel. Donnie had a 107 offense rating, 21 points per game. In this meeting, 31 points and shot nearly 50% from the floor because Bridges can't be the number one scoring option and a total lockdown force on the other end. Um, and then you got to mention Karis Levert, who I think is is a wonderful props play tonight at just 10 points, averaging 18 or so in his last six, including getting 18 in this first matchup. And because now he rolls with the second unit, the Cavs are much more reliable offensively because they actually have somebody who can create on that unit. 
And in this particular matchup, he doesn't have to deal with either DFS or Bridges. He gets to work against Joe Harris, Royce O'Neal, pretty good defender, but you know, not not the, those type of lockdown forces. And so Levert, I think, can continue to get his, continue to get the scoring going for the Cavs here <clears throat> uh, and probably go over. But I mean, what I'm doing is just attacking the Cavs money line or teasing it down with another game uh, in particular with that Clippers under, which I, I am attacking at 232 way too high if you want to tease it up a little bit. Just to get this game down, uh, I think that's one way to go here on the short slate. Yeah, like you said, we want to try to avoid being being bogged down by what just happened. Um, and, and I think some of the stuff you're talking about does it, it's it, it translates. It, it sort of spans just one game. It, it really we're ba- still banking on averages and things that have happened over a larger sample size for both these teams in this scenario. It's just that. We did that. We did that two days ago uh, using the same concept. So you just have to kind of hope that that pans out once more. I, I think the the thing that I don't trust sometimes is uh, Karis Levert to score, and 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 obviously this this rebounding discrepancy uh, and the way that the, the Nets scored. I, I kind of believe in that, to be honest with you, because I think one of the things that that helps offensive rebounding is not necessarily just having uh, giant guys down there that big men like Jared Allen and Evan Mobley can just find a body and get on. You got to be a little bit more slithery and shorter, but still long and rangy. And that's everybody on the net. So I think there's some there's a reason that that happened more than just, you know, a fluke anomaly, uh, especially because both those big men were in for the Cavs and are going to be playing again tonight. And we know Jared Allen loves playing against the Nets and continues to play really well against them as well. Uh, actually has some some pretty high props tonight, but you, that's the expectation that you, that you have for him. So I, I do like points in this one. Uh, a lot of the reasons that, that you were talking about that I, I know it's still a little bit scary, uh, but I, I think Cleveland uh, on the road is something that we can bank on a little bit, especially against the East uh, uh, as you talked about, um, and and the fact that they're scoring in a way that I mean, honestly, you can score really however you want right now against this Nets team. I, I know they're good in certain areas on the floor, but like it, it, Nick Claxton being your stopper down low with two guys that can get pretty much to their spots at will, and, and DG and, and Donovan Mitchell. I just think that that's how you you easily score on a team that already doesn't have um, you know much of a, a rim protection. Even though Nick Claxton's been good guarding guys one on one at the rim, talked about it a lot this season. He also needs guys around him like we've talked about to be effective, and he doesn't have that anymore uh, on defense or on offense. Don't sleep on KD's defense that he brought to this team in the rim protection as well. That's why I kind of finished with just saying one of these dudes is going off uh, again. You know, Donnie did it last game. It could be DG who is a nice compliment to him. It's not like he didn't play well and, and score a bunch of points his own in his own right but um one of them will do that again and, and it could be Karis Levert in terms of another guard that can come in I know his props are lower than the other two um, but that's where also where the, the the defense here for Brooklyn is weakest in terms of the guards coming down with the ball in their hands uh one-on-one off the dribble at the point of attack more so than anywhere else and you saw where Donnie Mitchell hit two of his super long threes from dead on because that's where they are weakest right is at that that point guard position even that shooting guard position as well two two spots that the the Nets struggle with they have all season and even after they got new new guys in into the onto the team and there was no more Kyrie playing awful defense. They still haven't really guarded, uh, you know, guards super well since that time frame and around All Star break. So I think that's why, you know, that's why I'm scared of the Cavs in general. Like this is a team that can guard you all over the floor. And if they're if 
one of their two all-star guards can do his thing enough to you know break down a defense then there's going to be a lot of ways for them to score off of that and, and that's going to continue to be the case tonight they have more ways to score but I think you know Mikhail should come back with a bit of a of a positive regression in my opinion and we talked about that a little bit too um, 18 points I expect him to get above 20 in this game I don't know if he's gonna get 25 like he's been averaging but he's gonna get closer to it I think than, than the 18 he scored last game and that's why I do feel pretty good about this game getting over 220. Yeah, I mean, we look at the Cavs and their ability to just beat bad teams, and that's what we were hammering here two nights ago. Nine straight wins over Eastern teams uh, out of the playoffs, and now and they're 30-10 and 10 against teams below 500. Brooklyn is neither, but that's what we consider them at this point. Uh, and their, yeah, their ability to score. I mean, I don't know how you worry about Karis LeVert scoring. He's, he's a bucket. I mean, it's, it's just that he fell out of the rotation for a couple months because he doesn't defend very well. Uh, but that, that net second unit is not that impressive. And another thing we talked about is them scoring such a high percentage of their points off the three ball Cleveland being dead last in opponents, three point shooting, but limiting the number of attempts. So the fact that Brooklyn got 33 attempts off is encouraging, I think, for their offense. They did, they only managed to hit nine. But generally, when you're able to get those looks against Cleveland, uh, teams are able to knock them down. I think more of them will be falling tonight. And, yeah, I mean, it's a bit of a bounce-back opportunity. I, I worry – the only thing I worry about, the reason I wouldn't just hammer this like I did two nights ago – uh, is now Cleveland's like very locked into their seating. They're four games ahead of the Knicks yeah. and four games behind the Sixers. Right. And they have almost nothing to play for. Maybe it's a little early to just rest up. Maybe, I mean, you do want to carry some momentum for sure. You got like, uh, you know, still two and a half weeks left of the season. But maybe also you don't really care if you, if you lose one to the Nets here, split one and let them start to creep into the actual playoffs because they are a weaker draw for everybody. And like, let's face it, you would much rather see the Nets than the Heat in the playoffs. So we'll see how teams handle that down the stretch. That's my one concern about them handling this again. But we've seen nothing to this point to indicate the Cavs are going to have a mental lapse like that and not give it their full effort. Except for (laughs) the fourth quarter of the game that they just won by six, where they were up by 20 uh, just minutes before that and then kind of just falter because that seems to be something that they were capable of in that game. That, that would be my only concern. I mean, Darius Garland played, you know, six minutes in the quarter. Donnie Mitchell came back in and played a bunch more, but mostly it was the Chetty Osman, Ricky Rubio show uh, in that fourth quarter as well. And, and I mean, Chetty played well all game. It was kind of a, a Chetty Osman game, but at the same time, like they, they weren't necessarily trotting out everybody that they needed out there the whole time. That, that would be my concern too. Uh, is there, is their care factor in this game, we saw them give make a pretty big letdown. And look, I mean, Dayron Sharp, he, he looked awesome. But he scored 10 of those points in that fourth quarter when the game was over in that garbage time. So do what you will with it. Um, the, there was some aspect to, you know, Donnie Mitchell just being sort of cocky as hell because everything was going in. That's the other part of that game that we do need to talk about is that first for the first three quarters of the game, the Cavs were shooting 55% from deep, like, I don't know. Can you do that again? No. Yes, but probably not. 45 is still really, really impressive. And I think it still gets us over that. Uh, But yeah, the fourth quarter, you know, where they scored 21 points, which was was a pretty low total for them uh, in that game was a a reason that it kind of like faltered at the end. I I think if you you believe in the three quarters that we saw a lot more, even if it's not the insane hot shooting that they had, there's going to be opportunities like this uh, for them to continue to get those buckets like we kept talking about. So 
the Thunder here, plus four at the Clippers. It was around plus three totals, standing pretty steady at 232. And that is where I start for sure. Uh, I'm not just saying basing it on the fact that they only hit 201 on Tuesday on, in a game that was played with a 95 pace in a game where both teams shot uh, abysmally from the three-point line. Um, but I guess I am saying that because that's pretty much what you will see when these two teams face each other. I mean, they're kind of like built the same way in the terms of just like endless wings. Um, not not good shooting the three, but also good at limiting what the other one does. Like OKC, only two fast break points in that game, only 12 points off turnovers. They're top five in both of those things since right. the All-Star break. OKC only 14 free throws as well. And that's the their top 10 in that since the All-Star break. But LA, number four, limiting free throws on the season at home, not getting many free throws on the other end. Um, and so you're looking at a, a Clippers team that's, of course, now going to be without Paul George probably for the rest of the regular season. Norman Powell still not ready to return. And their last eight without PG, you can throw out three of those games where Kawhi didn't play or other guys didn't play, and they literally just like punted on the second half of back-to-back. Otherwise, they're three and two. They're still solid, and mostly we've just seen Terrence Mann put his fingerprints all over the game. We are still waiting for his props. I don't understand why at noon we have Mason Plumley props up at some places, but not Terrence Mann. Like, what are we waiting for, people? Nate's calling you um, out, books. Yeah, but T-Man, 20 PRA, roughly, uh, we, whatever it is, I think you want to go over that. I mean, he might only have like nine and a half points because he hasn't been playing much lately since they got Russell Westbrook. But I think now he slots into that small forward role, uh, plays a ton without PG. Look at his last eight without PG, the last eight competitive ones for the Clippers, the ones they didn't punt. He played 34 minutes, 15 points, five and a half boards, uh, and had his fingerprints all over, like I'm saying. And it was just really good defense from the Clippers. I mean, he is an energetic guy who will who's connective on the offensive end, helps them get shots at times, but he's a much better defensive presence. And you look at how they won those games. I mean, the last five, they were competitive. They all went under, first of all. They went three and two. And they allowed just 44 points per game in the second half. That's against Atlanta, Dallas, uh, Denver, which is their, their biggest Achilles heel. Those all went under. Um, so, I mean, you're looking at OKC again, a team that they match up pretty well against. And and an, a Clippers team that's really going to struggle to score the ball now that what Russell Westbrook's your second dairy option. That's that's kind of scary. They're already they're still at this point 26th in offensive efficiency at home and points in the paint. And the four teams below them are tankers. So, like, you're basically dead last still at, at home. Um, and what are they now? Eight in 29 and 27 to the over at home. Um, the They have gone over in a few recently, but look at who they played. Warriors twice, no defense on the road. Grizzlies pushed the pace. And the Kings, of course, the best offense in the league. And so then let's look at the, the, the Thunder recently, uh, their last six. Four and two to the under. Those unders have gone, have hit by 15 points per game. In the three road games, though, 36 points per game they've gone under. Um, they are just, they have some stark home road splits, like lots of young teams, score 10 points per game fewer. They're 22nd in, in offense on the road, um, but they are pretty good defending the three point line. They play at a, at a pace two, two possessions slower as well. <clears throat> so, I mean, both teams are trending in this direction, definitely to go under. Uh, 
and the Clippers recently, regardless of where they've been playing, have been going under. Uh, I was ready to hit an under no matter who they're playing. And then I see their next two games against the Thunder and against the Pelicans. Both of those seem ripe. I mean, we obviously don't have a line for Saturday against the Pelicans, but I'm like, man, I don't, I just don't see a lot of points being scored with this Clippers team right now. And I think the pace is going to be even slower without Paul George, um, or it's going to be even less efficient because Russell Westbrook has the ball in his hands more. And that's, that's the thing. I mean, what's so interesting is, I mean, Russell Westbrook only got 26 minutes in this last game and it's still, you know, wasn't enough for him to impact the, uh, the, the pace like he normally can, where it's just like, if Russell Westbrook is in the game, then the pace is faster period. Um, and, He's going to get more this game. I still don't think that's enough to overcome the 31 points or 32 points that they went under this total in the last game. Um, and, and so I'm not really sure what that's about. The, the Thunder play fast. They play fast everywhere. Um, they want to get it and go and get it right into the paint. They play in a style that is Shea Gilgis. Uh, Jay Williams and you know Jay, Jay, Jaylen Williams, Jay Will, and also Josh Giddy. Like the, those three players are going to get it and go. They can all get rebounds and they can all get into the paint um, and, and either finish or dish. So and get to the free throw line. So like that's even when they were trying to do that last game, it's exactly what the uh, the Clippers decided that they were going to focus on. I mean, Tyloo's a really good coach, and, and that's what they did. They got back. They stopped those fast break points. Um, and, you know, they've been doing that decently well, uh, especially in the last, like, you know, eight, nine games um, that, that they've been they've been playing better, and they've been playing like a team that, you know, is getting it together a little bit here. Um, but this this loss of PG does impact things a few ways to me. I mean, if, if it's more Terrence Mann and more Russell Westbrook, it's more pace, and it's a, it's a lot more speed. I think that's why they kept this total high, and I, I would caution us against getting too you know, comfortable in the thought and the, in the, what we just saw and using that as, as our primary, you know, candidate for or our use case, let's say for what we're banking on this game and, and what we think will happen in it. That, that said, 232 and a half still just feels, feels high in a game that like, like you said, they, they know what they, they are trying to do to stop this Thunder team that it's like similar to kind of playing the Raptors. You, you get those hustle points, you crash the boards, you try to get into the paint, you have long rangey guys with a few shooters, but not very many, to be honest. Um, probably more on this Thunder team. And, and something that should not be slept on that I was like watching this, this last game, the Thunder and the Clippers game a couple nights ago going, Oh yeah, Lou Dort is like really freaking good at defense and he has not been playing all season and this Thunder team has just been giving up points all over the place in the shooting guard position especially where um PG is not going to be plus Lou Dort is going to be and I finally get to say he's going to be able to put them in the Dortcher chamber again because he has been playing all season. So with that in mind, he also does help their three-point shooting. He has not had a good season by any means when he actually has played, but it was much earlier and I, I there's got to be some positive regression if he's going to be healthy again and, and and has his minutes and his rhythm coming back, there's at least a bit more shooting for him. I say all that to say, like I tweeted yesterday, just blindly slap on the thunder spread, whatever it is, they hit it 67% of they cover it 67% of the time this year, obviously best in the league because we still are just sort of underappreciating what they do. No Norman Powell, no Paul George to me. Like I'm happy to take a, a, a th another thunder money line on this, unless you think Kawhi is going to go balls, right? Balls to the wall and just go crazy. And if you do think that, which I think, you know, you, you cautioned against uh, taking any Kawhi overs, even though it's 29 and a half points for him tonight, the expectation, 
expectation seems to be this is going to go over because there's going to or this be a higher total because of the the implementation of more Russell Westbrook and and Terrence Mann versus a Paul George and also even maybe taking out a few guys like a, a Batum or a Mook at sometimes to get a smaller lineup in there, but. Either way, like I, I'm not worried about going under 232 and a half, but I do also really like the Thunder and will continue to just hit them probably the rest of the season, assuming they're going to continue to cover at a 67% clip. Yeah, I mean, they might play faster with those two guys, but they're certainly not hitting any threes. Uh, no. Their spacing has been awful since they got Westbrook and they've been struggling from the three-point line, uh, which is why they've gone under in five of these last six and at the same time guarding the three-point line, third best rate. Um, the, the, like I said, the Thunder are the sixth best on the road recently. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's just, it could be a fast game, but neither of these teams are getting to the free throw line either about dead last in that department is OKC lately. So that's why I think when these teams have gotten together three this season, two of them were very, very early in the season and Kawhi didn't play PG missed one, uh, but they averaged two ten. Um, so, and you look at like the last over they hit. The only reason they are like 5-0 and to the under in the recent is because it was game 82 last season and something named Georgios Kaleitskis started for the Thunder, uh, among others. Great so, player. yeah, that, that's about what you would expect when the Clips get 138 in that game. But this should be a competitive game. And and the, the Thunder also are dead last in assist rate in this six-game span. Um, it's all Shea. It's all Shea getting to the line, tricking people. Uh, as he does with his wonky moves, but the Clippers know him as well as anybody, right? And they do have some good wing defenders still, especially if Terrence Mann is playing more. I mean, we again just wonder why Ty Lue shied away from that when they when they went ten and four with him get, getting a bigger and bigger role, and now his, his hands forced like he's going to be in there. I think that means much better defense uh, for the Clippers more than anything. Which is why I, I, I worry about the stars out situation when you said like Thunder going to cover, right? Again, I, I also worry about the young team being on the road and then anytime they're road favorites, all of a sudden they just flop. And, and yeah. so they're, they're only slight dogs here. It makes me think a little bit about them being expected to win this game, about the Clippers being you know galvanized on some rate to say we're going to win without PG, who frankly is just, I'm just not a big stan for Paul George. I, d- I just don't think he's that important to what they do. Um, I, I think, yeah. And, and I would worry, I've worried about a quiet under, cause I think he can pick up the slack and score 30 plus uh, Dort might be a pretty good defender, but I don't think he's going to be locking up Kawhi. No, no. Uh, J- Jalen Williams is going to be the one guarding Kawhi. Like he did last game for the entirety of the game. I'm not saying I didn't say lock him down. I said, the one guarding him. And and I know that because I'm going to talk about Jalen Williams in our player props video. And I'm going to bring up the fact that he's going to continue to get close to the 40 minutes that he got in this previous game against them because he spent 70% of the time that, uh, that, that Kawhi was on the floor guarding him. Um, and the entirety of the time that Jalen Williams was on the floor guarding him. So I, I mean, he did fine last game. I'm not saying he's going to shut Kawhi down and Kawhi is still capable of going off for 30 against the Rook. Um, but yeah, either way, like it, it's going to be him guarding him um look 
I don't get me started on, on Russell Westbrook coming to this team because Terrence Mann should be, and you're right. If, if Terrence Mann comes on and they give him the time, like we know what he's capable of, man. And uh, I, that was not a pun. I, I just was comma man. So like, <laughs> I think at, at this point you've, you've got to expect him to, to get his when he's out there. I do agree. There's a little bit of fear that um, the stars out and the young guys in and sort of the, the role players in going like, all right, we're going to win this one. We've got uh, the, the gusto, you know, more so than our starters do. Russell Westbrook cares. He always cares. We know that and he's going to get probably closer to 35 than the 26 minutes he just saw. Um, so I, I don't mean that don't mean to say that that means there's going to be a ton more points. I do think it'll be played at a faster plate pace than like 94 or for 95. Like I think we're going to it's going to at least get up to like 97, 98 because Russell help it get there. Um, but the thing about Paul George is I agree with you. Like P- Paul George's shot selection has always been bad. His decision making and at the end of games, not always great. Um but he's an incredible defender and always has been. And and he's been the guy on, on Josh Giddy in the two games that Josh Giddy's gone up against Paul George. He's gone way under his props versus the one time that, that Paul George did not play in, in, in against Josh Giddy. And then Giddy went off uh, in those other, t- you know, in, in that one and had like 18 boards and 10, 10 assists or something like that. So, um, you know, I, that's where you worry about him coming out. So once again, I do think there's going to be more points than 201, but I think there's going to be less points than 233. So I still think that total is a bit high. And I, like I said, maybe the Thunder are, are not in as good of a situation that they normally would be where they were plus six and a half, seven and a half when that game started on Tuesday night. Um, but like I said, again, I'm just going to hit them until the end of the season and assume that this 67% clip they're covering at is legitimate. So you're listening to the lines.com podcast network. Looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top U.S. sportsbooks all in one place? Then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust. Check out the Lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Steven Andrus, and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. And tune in to Beat the Closing Line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara, and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines, plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better. Nate, let's just jump right ahead into your first NBA play a prop for tonight. Yeah, it's a role player night, I guess, or reserve night is what I'm going with. Karis Levert, who should come off the bench once again, but he's been killing it in that role for Cleveland. Cleveland's been desperate for that third score, and he's provided it. He fell out of the rotation for a long time, but in his last six, he's been getting 31 minutes per game. Scoring 18 with nearly five assists on a 20% usage rate. Maybe his, his shooting is a little unsustainably high uh, at 54 and 51. But you know what? It's a revenge game. And he's facing the Nets in five since since leaving them. He has a 124 offensive rating, shooting 50% and 46% from deep. Averaging 19.5 and 3.5 point uh, assists, that is. So, it, I mean, and it's a Nets team that has, is weak at small forward, even though they have Mikel Bridges. They've still been giving up the third most assists to the position, the, the sixth most points to them in their last 15, uh, because Mikel is the number one scoring option, and he's not able to lock up uh, at the same time the way he was in Phoenix. Either way, I mean, he's going to be tasked with trying to guard Donnie Mitchell and Darius Garland. Right. And then Lavert gets to come off the bench and work against, like, Joe Harris, Seth Curry, exploit those kind of mismatches. Like, he, he should continue to eat. This exact matchup happened, of course, two nights ago. 
And he had 18 points and four assists uh, in 31 minutes off the bench. Uh, Isaac Okoro started, was a non-factor offensively, as he always is, in 20 minutes. Um, so Levert, 10.5 points seems just really low, even money. You can tack on three assists. You can get plus plus odds for him to get four assists again. But I I mean, I'd rather just take the points and assists because I honestly think he's going to get 13, 14 points and then just one dime off that. Um, I would hit an alternate line here up to 13 and a half for points uh, for Levert because, like I said, yeah, he's averaging 18 in his last six, and I don't think that trend is going anywhere. No, I agree. The thing about Levert is, yeah, they're going to need to uh, play him against those scrubs uh, because if you see what he did in the last game, like there was some time that he was on the floor with these starters. Royce O'Neal locked him up, uh, did not give up a single point to him in like four and a half minutes. Uh, and then Spencer Dinwiddie played a little bit against him as well. But yeah, once Joe Harris or Utah, stop jumping Utah, you're going to keep getting jump, dunked on Watanabe, uh, you know, and then also uh, we got like some Darren Sharp on him, some Dayron rather. So yeah, like when he's playing against that on that second unit, 10 and a half points is just kind of unfair. Like he's going to be better than every defender that's going up against him uh, on that on that unit for sure. So uh, I'm going to go with a guy that we both uh, think pretty highly of tonight, and that's Jonas, Jonas, Valanciunas. Valanciunas points and rebounds tonight. I mean, look, it's another situation of just like there's a center who can score and get rebounds playing against the Charlotte Hornets who are already really bad guarding that position and are going to be worse because they only have uh, Nick Richards in tonight. Mark Williams isn't even available. Not that he's much better uh, guarding centers. Both these young guys obviously still getting a lesson from some, some some better big men. Minus 118 for the points and the rebounds tonight. It's 16 and a half points um, because the, the, the boards are close to like 12, which is pretty high as well. But um, I don't know if you'd worry about that too much. In his last three for, for Jonas, we're talking about 21 points a game. Um, and if he's going to score at that rate, like he's also getting 15 rebounds bounds but if he's going to get 20 points like I'm pretty confident in him getting a double double tonight um so you can feel pretty close you know even if he gets like if he gets the 16 and a half points basically I, I think it's pretty much a lock and and that's a bet I feel good about so the, the 32 minutes he's been getting as well with a 25 percent usage rate like he's like option two three uh at this point I mean definitely three when when CJ and BI are out there at the same time but like they're looking for him to shoot as well and you know he's like I said playing against Charlotte the last two he's been playing against Houston San Antonio um you know it's another tanking team New Orleans is not exactly like gunning for things I mean I'm sure they're still trying because they've got BI and CJ in the lineup and they'd like to, to stay in this play-in tournament um but you know it, it, it's like they're playing against teams that are just not trying at all and he's still getting the minutes uh because they also know this is just a great matchup for him. I mean, the last two times he's played Charlotte, he's averaged 27 points, which is almost at this points in rebounds prop with 17 and a half boards in 29 minutes, dude. Like that's absolutely absurd. He He's very aware that this team cannot guard him. Uh, and I think he'll continue to just go at it and, and attack those offensive rebounds as well. Um, dude, he might get 15 rebounds and then you're easily at that 28 and a half. Like it's, it's a really good pick for tonight. Yeah, I mean, Charlotte's offense is is so rough right now as they throw out those tanking lineups. We talked about taking Kelly Oubre under maybe 22 and a half points because he's been hot lately, but he gets locked up by Herb Jones. Um, I don't know where else they're going to go find scoring. And New Orleans is struggling to find their own scoring. I mean, C.J. McCollum is dealing with a thumb injury that has not allowed him to be uh, that, that guy. And Brandon Ingram handles a lot of the scoring. But I think in this kind of matchup, yeah, they'll just throw it in there against Jonas and say, like, go ahead and put that young young rookie in the basket. That being said, Nick Richards is coming off a 17-14 game, and he's the only option there. So if you like him to get a plus uh, a double-double, it's like plus 225 um, just by sheer minutes and by the fact that neither of these teams score a ton. 
That's certainly possible. Uh, but mm-hmm. blowout watch there. So role player, ter- extraordinaire Terrence Mann. We still don't have props for him. Uh, I think maybe they're waiting to see if if he's announced as the starter tonight in place of Paul George, in which case books would change where they list his props. We, they, we attacked him a couple times uh, before the Westbrook trade when his prop was only like nine and a half points or like 13 and a half points rebounds. If you can get it that low, obviously hit it with a lot of, of uh, equity there because that's a really good bet. Um, but I mean, we're looking at probably around 20 PRA, which is something he's hit in uh, four of his last five without Paul George. He played 41 minutes in three of those games. Um, and we're talking about being integral to their, their wins. I mean, their last five games where they're competitive without PG, they've won three of them against Washington, Dallas and Houston. And, and T-Man was huge. He was also huge in a close loss to Atlanta, uh, in terms of his points down the stretch. And so looking at his last eight in which the Clippers actually fielded a competitive lineup without Paul George, 15 points per game, five and a half rebounds in 34 minutes. That's where we're averaging. So anywhere... <clears throat> Around, yeah, like I said, 20 PRA or 18 and a half points rebounds, maybe, or just the points. Um, I mean, even though I like under in this game, I do like man to be able to to get some of those hustle buckets um, and, and the rebounds maybe more than anything. I would, the thing I do have up is Russell Westbrook to get seven rebounds at nearly even money. And that is something I would attack either way. I mean, both those guys are going to be playing a lot now with without Paul George or Norman Powell. And both these teams are going to be missing a lot. But the Thunder are going to continue to play fast. Uh, they they still play at the ninth fastest pace right now. And they just score a lot less on the road. And they struggle to score in this matchup. So uh, I like both those guys to get their boards. Yeah. I, I, Terrence Mann, for sure. Uh, as soon as you know you see what's up with his props tonight, uh, I, I feel pretty good about those for sure. I mean, if it's like if, if it's under ten points, then definitely I uh, would say that as well. Um, and, and the PRA should be close to to eighteen and a half, twenty, like you said, around there. But um, and the Westy stuff, he's going to go up from those twenty six minutes. We talk about it, and then Ty Lue is going to just have to eat his vegetables and play some Russell Westbrook tonight. So um, let's finish things off with J. Will with Jalen Williams hinted at this in the game video about this Clippers and Thunder game that was going to feel good about him tonight on got to be on sheer minutes alone if nothing else right 15 and a half points though really good odds at minus 102 on FanDuel there really like that and then the six boards you get plus odds uh, six and a half boards or plus odds for him on DraftKings plus 120 he's coming off eight rebounds uh there's a reason that it's plus 126 and a half is a lot but like yeah there, there should be a few more possessions in this game even if there's not necessarily the cleanest offense or three pointers going in or even being attempted necessarily because the Clippers are now like second in terms of attempting field goals from two point they're not even shooting threes nearly as much um so it's still going to be you know a little bit faster pace doesn't mean it's going to hit 233 but I think you can still feel good about the Jalen Williams stuff here he's going to be playing and that's where I start with this is like he guarded Kawhi for the majority of the time that he and Kawhi were on the floor together um and unless Kawhi was looking for a switch which was something he was consistently looking for because Jay will played really well against him but that's why he got 37 and a half minutes in that game um and then that's a key for him is, is can he get the the minutes and get over 30 uh and the interesting thing too is Kawhi didn't really spend time guarding Jalen Williams uh nearly as much as Jalen Williams was guarding him it was much more of just a Jay will guarding him but not like a you know one-on-one matchup the whole game or anything like that which is good for Jalen Williams getting his his buckets tonight um he's hit this prop in eight of his last 10 games the only two times he did not hit the prop uh Toronto and Phoenix that Toronto defense has gotten 
nasty, especially at home and the Thunder got blown the hell out. He got 24 or 25 minutes in that game because the Thunder got blown the hell out. Um, and like I already told you, if he's going to get 30 minutes, um, that then he's going to get this prop, <laughs> especially on the road where he's not as good this season on the road as he is at home, but he's gotten a lot better uh, over the last couple of weeks uh, where, like I said, he's averaging over this, this prop already and, and got it in eight of 10 on the road. He's hit it in four of his last five. Um, and yeah, the, the Clippers are weak here. This is where they allow the, the fourth most points uh, is to power forwards. They give up a ton of rebounds to power forwards as well um, for, for the sake of the fact that like it's Zubak in there down low by himself and, and Mook kind of doing his thing, but not necessarily playing the most defense, obviously. So uh, there's, there's some opportunity for the young buck, Jay Will tonight. Yeah. Marcus Morris surprise started power forward, right? And then he's not yeah. moving his feet too well. At this point, let's let's talk rookie of the year, though. I mean, he's down to plus I, I'm glad two thousand. Uh, for I'm a while, he was at like plus eight thousand. Paolo minus eight thousand. I I don't know. I mean, if you just look at the first half of the season, yeah, with Paolo would like let's hand him the award already. Like he was getting high usage. He's the number one overall pick. Uh, Orlando was seeing what they have. Since, over the last two months, Paolo is averaging eighteen a game with a one hundred offensive rating. Jalen Williams averaging seventeen a game with a 126 offensive rating. I mean, anybody who looks at these advanced stats and the efficiency and bring, and being the number two option on a team that was probably going to make the play-in, I think you got to give this award to Jalen Williams. Uh, we'll see what happens over the last final weeks here, but maybe you want to hit that at plus 2,000 because it could be neck and neck when the uh, final bell hits. If, if, if I was given... Uh, uh, three minutes to present my case for Jay Will to the to the the, the writers who are going to be picking this award. I would hit it right now because I know I could convince them. Um, but I think what it's going to come down to is Paolo is the number one option on a team that's not going to make the play in, but he's the number one option and and he's 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 the number one playmaker and you can throw Franz in there but Franz has also come down to earth big time after a hot start to the season um and so I, I think you know Paolo is a bit more important to his I'm not gonna say that Paolo is the guy expected to take on the load and do it versus it being shy uh SGA over there in Oklahoma City or a little sprinkle in a little bit of giddy as well what what he does what he's expected to do within his role though for Jay will would be my number one argument I think he's as good, if not better, at what he does and what's expected of him than Paolo is right now. And, and I don't know what the ceiling is for either of those guys, but like, yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up because why not sprinkle a little bit on that? Plus 2,000 at this point. It was worth it a little, you know, a week ago uh, when it was just slightly higher. So I think it's still kind of worth it. I'm really glad you brought it up because uh, for Jalen Williams, like if he has another great performance tonight, man, keep that keep that eye out uh, for the plus 2,000. Let's take the over on him tonight and just sprinkle a little bit on the future uh, since they are a little bit corollary as well. And that is all the time we have for you guys in this one. So make sure to like and subscribe to that page. Continue to follow along. Check out everything we've got up for you today and the rest of this week. And until we see you next, happy betting.